Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, I think I'm coming around on the Nets. Yeah, talk to me. Well, and that's the, you know, so that you guys know, today's show we're going to talk. Look, do we just, <laughs> we had planned to record today about seven o'clock my time, five o'clock your time, Pete, right? And then uh, Nets Clippers started. And I sent you a message and I was like, hey, yeah. uh, can we, we got to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Can we wait till after this game? Because I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to leave my TV right now. It was a fantastic game. Nets wind up uh, beating the Clippers and, and helping your boys bank account again. I'm on a, I'm on a bit of a roll. Knock on. Oh, one. did you did you, uh, you put some down on that? Yeah. I mean, they, the, the Nets were uh, underdogs at home. So. Oh, OK. I, yeah. I, I said, like, you know. Uh, anytime I can win money off of the nets, you know, get extra money off of the nets, I'm going to take that opportunity. But, but uh, yeah, the um, we were watching that game, and and you know, it was another one of those games where Jen is kind of working in the background, and she's and and she has kind of an eye on what she's doing and an eye on the game. And every like minute or so, minute and a half goes by, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, you're like, oh, that was a great, that was a great game for like random noises, like oh. Kyrie and just yeah. guttural, you know, visceral yeah. noises coming from the bowels of my body. Yeah. Oh my god! Super fun, so fun, and the announcers were great too. We always yes. complain about yeah. that, right? Like, yeah, we got Ian Eagle credit. and Grant Hill were fantastic. Yeah, actually, the 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 next game you got Brian Jordan and Jim Jackson. I, I like that combination too, uh, mm-hmm. as 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 two kind of up and comers. Uh, but yeah, so today uh, because I basically live to link everything back to the Lakers. I'm going to, and Pete and I are going to look at that game and what we saw from both teams. Uh, segment one is going to be about the Nets, and we might, you know, there might be some overlap here. Segment two is going to be about the Clippers uh, and how we see them matching up with the Lakers right now. And then in the third segment, we had a, a question from the mailbag that kind of stuck with me a little bit about adding that 15th player and the direction that. Uh, we would like to see the team going in that in that regard. So the third segment, we're going to talk about big wings versus uh, centers and rim protectors. But yeah, let's go ahead and dive into this this Brooklyn LAC game. And uh, man, it was so much fun. I, I just it was just so much fun to just watch basketball played at that level. Incredible shot making, timely stops, all of that stuff. And I want to start from the from the Brooklyn's perspective and and why I'm kind of coming around on on them as a team. And it basically like this was an idealized version of them, right? They were all hitting, uh, especially big shots down the stretch. But still, you have to imagine you're going to have a couple of those games where they're all going to be hitting against you in in a playoff series. And it's pretty freaking daunting. (laughs) Their games are nuts. I don't know how many of them you've caught. Yeah. Every single game they play (laughs) is just bonkers. It wasn't just the Washington game. It's just just like cocaine dream after cocaine dream. (laughs) Yes. That's perfect. It was. This one was like 122 to 120, I think it was. And it wasn't yeah. like a crazy pace or anything. I didn't no. think. I mean, I could look at the stats. I'm not sure. But it didn't feel like it was super fast paced. But yeah. it was 122 to 120. And I was like, eh, Nets didn't play bad defense. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> put the, Nets put the clamps down. Hey, it's, under 130. <laughs> it's all relative, right? <laughs> yeah, it was funny because, and, and Aaron Larsoul noticed this too, because they interviewed... Uh, Steve Nash, I think, heading into the third quarter or or coming out of the third quarter, and <laughs> and they asked him like, you know, what do you think about the defense? And he was like, well, you know, 
we, we gave up too many points the other night and we wanted to show some pride on that side of the court after <laughs> giving up 90 points through three quarters. Yeah, they were like, that's great. All right, we're right on track. <laughs> yeah, we got and you know this. What? They're probably not wrong. If they can no. like no. maintain that area, right? They got so many shot makers, man. And that fourth quarter was particularly impressive. I thought we learned a lot about the Clippers, right? Patrick Beverly was out, mm-hmm. which isn't... It, which you know, I think I think probably swings this game if he plays, but maybe they were targeting they were targeting Morris, Marcus Morris on yeah. every single play. That whoever he was defending and the Clippers were switching everything at that point. It was just like, all right, whoever he set the screen for me, Harden matched up against Morris, Kyrie mm-hmm. matched up against Morris. Those matchups, especially. Then you have Reggie Jackson out there too, and I was like, oh, do the Clippers have a closing five defensively? And I don't think they do. Obviously, yeah. Beverly would be out there. But you got to have five because the offense gets to pick. Ibaka got played off the court. Right. And Zoo can get played off of the court by mm-hmm. faster guys too. And so that's something that – that is something to keep an eye on is in a closing game, let's say Patrick Beverly plays for Reggie Jackson. But I remember when we played right before the league shut down because of the pandemic – Remember that weekend where we played the Clippers in Milwaukee last year? Mm-hmm. At the end of that game, LeBron was like, Marcus Morris, where are you? All right, you come set the screen for me. <laughs> right. It's on him. Yeah. Right? Lou will and too. So, mm-hmm, exactly. And the Clippers have a lot of guys like that. Uh, Lord knows Brooklyn has their defensive problems, and we've spoken about that. But I thought it was interesting to see that revealed on the Clippers too. Yeah, I actually – that was one of my notes coming out of this from the Brooklyn side is – that and actually, it was one of the things that I was thinking about about the Lakers defensively too. Is that in their in their final five, right? There aren't very many guys that you can just straight up pick on. You know that when when the Lakers when the Lakers go Schroeder, Caruso, KCP, uh, LeBron, AD, there are, there isn't a Lou Williams type weakness out there. There isn't a Marcus Morris type weakness out there and and there isn't a a Kyrie Irving type weakness out there either because the Clippers had like three four possessions where they were trying to find especially Kawhi on Kyrie and put him in the pinch post to see what they can do there and it was interesting to watch all of this and just kind of think back like I think Caruso's switchability in 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 this series against both of these teams is going to be hugely crucial because it doesn't matter. You could set a screen and Caruso. Now, do I want him going prolonged periods guarding Kevin Durant? Of course not. <laughs> you don't want anybody to. You got to throw multiple pitches at him. But but I was just, I was kind of floored by the fact that both of these teams defensively have such kind of glaring holes that you can, can t- scabs that you can keep picking at and, and eventually just kind of make it so it's it's kind of difficult to walk. Yeah, that was something that really stood out, especially in comparison to the Lakers, because we've talked about, and you mentioned that closing five of KCP, Caruso, Schroeder, AD, and LeBron. And that can be possibly a little small. They've been great in the games that they've played. Mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting is that we don't just have five. If we are a little small, Kuz has defensive value, and he yeah. has circumstances where he's going to be a really good defender. If uh, Wes, I think. I uh-huh, still believe in Wes. What, right, Wes could could be that guy. Uh, Marcus All could be that guy if we're playing Denver, say. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't think that'll be very often, but there will be like we've got multiple really good defenders beyond just a closing five, which was the big question from watching this game. Was like, oh, they're just picking on the weakest defender on the other team on the Lakers. That's a our weakest defender, quote unquote, is in that five is is who? It's Casey Schroeder, maybe. 
maybe Schroeder. Like, it depends on the talent, like who you're going up against. Yeah. But there's no easy, there's no like, oh, we're going to pick on Reggie Jackson. We're going to pick on Morris. We're going to pick yeah. on Kyrie, right? There's nobody in the that lineup. And we've got a few guys beyond that. And that's, on a fundamental level, that's probably the biggest advantage that we have over those teams. Yeah, I still think like, uh, Harrison and I, for the Silver Screen pod that we recorded today, recorded with um, Mo Doc Hill. And one of the questions that we kind of, you know, we, we hit on at the very end of the pod is I still have the Lakers as, in their own tier and then it's everybody else, right? It's Clippers, Bucks, Nets in that next tier. Maybe Utah is, is in that, is fighting to get into that second tier. Eh. Uh, well, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. Eh. Maybe my, my, my concern with Utah is <laughs> who, where, where's the wing defense coming from? <laughs> I, Joe Ingles is like a, a a quirky defender, but I I wouldn't want to rely on him very heavily. Bojan Bogdanovic, like that's not somebody that that I really. But anyway, so like I, I want to take a quick second here. When we come back, I want to keep talking about this Brooklyn Clippers game and some more stuff that we found out. So we talked about the Lakers on defense here, but the Lakers offensively, I think, is an interesting one as well because both of these teams finished super small. Like Jeff Green was the biggest player on on the floor for Brooklyn, and uh, Marcus Morris was the biggest player on the floor for the Clippers. And if you go to that, that's just playing right into what AD wanted to do last year in the postseason, and and and, and really kind of eight teams up that way. So I want to talk about that here in a bit. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today in a daily podcast breaking down the biggest sto- news stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by CBDMD. January is important in setting the tone for the new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD are here to give you the support you need to con- conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they've got a brand new topical product that'll keep you moving all year long. CBD Retrieve with Lidocaine fuses CBD's hybrid broad-spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief for minor aches and pains. And with the new bag-on valve spray technology, relief can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down, and make it even easier to get the year started off right they've offered all our listeners 20 percent off your next order when you use the promo code nba at checkout once again that's cbdmd.com promo code nba for 20 percent off your purchase of superior cbd products only from cbdmd I think if Beverly is there, oddly enough, I think that Ibaka actually is able to stay on the court because, uh, you know, I, although on that, I don't know. I, I think the Clippers also wanted the added creativity with Reggie Jackson on the court offensively and, 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 you know, with the looks that they were going with there. But I, I just, 
from the Lakers perspective, if either of these teams go that small against them, like not only is it that AD is going to eat, but LeBron is probably going to eat too. You know, it's, I, I take it back. I said that Jeff green was the biggest player on the court for Brooklyn. He's the girthiest, but Durant is a base, you know, is a seven footer, but still like, I don't think the nets want Kevin Durant trying to body with AD in the post come the postseason. So like, as you were watching these super small closing lineups, were you just kind of licking your chops about the idea of what the Lakers might be able to do offensively to them? Yeah, man, it, strength. It, it really comes down to strength in a lot of ways. Uh, LeBron especially is able to work his way down. And that was something that in the first half, the Clippers really commanded that first half. And one of the ways they did it uh, is interesting because one of my critiques about the Clippers is that they're, they're very, they don't put a ton of pressure on the rim great jump shooting team they're a great jump shooting team but they not a lot of attacks on the basket and but the nets are especially weak on the interior and in that first half it was like oh they're just spamming attacking the basket and they're just mm -hmm. getting whatever they want whether it's you know getting into the paint and getting a bucket for the guy who drove in or getting that foot into the paint collapsing the defense kick out for three and those are the best threes when you get a, a foot in the paint first yep I thought Brooklyn did a, a really good job in the second half of being similar to when we're at our best of beating teams to the spot. Like there's two ways to protect the rim. There's one mm -hmm. to block shots and be big. There's the other to not let them get there in the first place. And that's the only option that the Brooklyn Nets have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You it, can't with play the personal, Jordan. <laughs> right, especially down the stretch of a, of a close game like that. Yeah. Right. So, uh, they need to beat guys to their spots. I thought Durant was fantastic defensively. I thought Kyrie had a really good defensive game. It, Kyrie's an interesting defender in that he'll like, he'll do it occasionally. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good game by him mm -hmm. defensively. And if the Nets are going to, you know, reach the finals and, and potentially win a title, that sacrifice and that commitment to defense from their stars is absolutely essential. But yeah, in terms of the Lakers, like I don't know how they keep us out of the paint, man. I really don't. And it's, it's like, we'd be problematic with LeBron or AD for them mm -hmm. because of how, how they're superstars, not just that they are superstars, but how they are. Um, I'd love to see Brooklyn versus Milwaukee because of even Brooklyn versus Boston, they've got a lot of forwards that they're going to have to keep out of the paint in the Eastern conference playoffs mm -hmm. that uh, I, it's going to be very difficult. They gave it a great effort tonight, but I, it's, it's going to be tough for them. I, I, I kind of like the fact that the Lakers. So like one of the things that growing up, I used to think was if you have, if you're going up against Steve Nash, right. Or if you're going up against, you know, later on it became Steph Curry. It was like, all right, you have these weaker defenders at point guard. Uh, is there anybody on your roster that can pick on them in more of like a one V one setting? But the, the, I actually like that the Lakers are equipped to pick on Kyrie and switches and, and it's really going to wear him down. If the Lakers, you know, set like a Schroeder LeBron type pick and roll and Kyrie now has to switch on to LeBron and you can just stick LeBron in the post. Like there's, there's literally nothing Kyrie can do and you're being physical with him. Like you saw it. I, I don't know if you noticed it, the, you know, to the same extent I did, but, but when, when Kyrie was taking him into the pinch post, Kyrie was getting tired. Like he was getting beat up. He was getting hooked. He was complaining about Ky uh, Kawhi's, elbows and stuff like that which by the way guarding Kawhi seems like it really effing sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah 
<laughs> it just sounds, it just looks brutal. Uh, now, guarding Kyrie also doesn't look like it's particularly fun because he'll just make you look like a complete doofus out there. But, but I, I just think it's not painful he, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I can, I can like fake an injury and, and claim that like I pulled a hammy and that's why I fell on my face on that third crossover. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I, I just, I like the fact that the Lakers now, I don't, you know, I thought one of the things that uh, the Clippers started doing that I, I was kind of scratching my head about was they were putting Kawhi into the post, no matter who was guarding him. So occasionally you saw like James Harden there and that's not a mismatch in any way. Like that's the, that's the one place Harden is an elite defender is in the post. So I think the Lakers would have to be smart about how they attack. But if, if it comes down to it and you can get, you know, you, you can force a switch where Kyrie is guarding LeBron, where Kyrie is guarding AD, where Kyrie is even guarding a Harrell, right? Those are the those are the kind of situations that I think the Lakers can just keep going to over and over and over again down stretches of games. And it's also something that shows up when you don't necessarily go right to that matchup, but LeBron collapses the defense and mm -hmm. It's Montrez Harrell that you have to keep off of the glass with. Right. That's Bruce Brown or Kyrie Irving or someone smaller, right? So even if they're not directly guarding the guy, just that lack of size all around compared to bigger players, it to lose a series against them, we would have to shoot especially poorly from three mm -hmm. because their only chance is to just collapse into the paint and just send as many bodies as possible. And LeBron's going to make those kickouts and, uh, you know, doubling AD and, and hopefully confusing him, even though he's gotten better on, on those reads, uh, it would all still come down to, we're going to have either layups at the rim or open shots behind the three-point line. And we're not going to miss many of those layups at the rim. So really their best shot would be us missing those jumpers. I think it would be a really tough matchup really for, for either of these teams. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I also, the last thing I wanted to hit on uh, regarding this game, it's a concept that, you know, it's a clunky name and it's, it's, it's purposefully clunky, but the about this that you saw showcased here, right. Where Kyrie's yeah, taking big shot after big shot and Harden is taking these shots and KD is stepping into some of these shots. And then you see Kawhi go down on the other end and he's doing his thing. Paul George hits that big three to, to continue to give the Clippers a chance. And the one thing that, Again, that that if I'm a Laker fan watching that game, the one thing that is is continuing to bring me solace is that I know that there are a bunch of guys on the Lakers who who are perfectly cool with those moments. Who oh, absolutely, they're proven <laughs> in those moments now. Exactly. Right, it's not even theoretical. They've they've done it. Yeah, and and so you know the 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 about thisness that was displayed there was off the charts. That that's why we were you know <laughs> sitting there like you know, hooting and hollering at the different, at the variety of shots that these guys are making down the stretch. It's because in those moments, they just, they, it doesn't, the moment doesn't matter as much to them. They're just going to go out and hit the type of shot that they can always hit. But I, you know, and, and I just think it's nice to watch that game and not worry about the fact that like, you know, are, are the Lakers going to be ready for that moment? We know that we know they're going to be ready for the moment. And, and it's just like, I, I can't wait. I, I want to see the Lakers play one of these teams like as soon as freaking possible. It's just, it's such a cool matchup all the way around. All right, let's take one more quick second here. And when we come back, we are going to 
direct the conversation into something more directly Lakers centric here regarding uh, the roster makeup, uh, especially after watching this game and then watching what we've seen to this point and who the Lakers might be playing in the postseason, whether we think the Lakers should use that 15th roster spot because we know they're going to use it eventually whether they should use it on a rim protecting center or if they should go after a, a bigger wing and, and hope that they can find some, some wing gold out there, which is tough that time of year, but, but we'll see what that looks like. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first Big Board of the Year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcasts wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is also brought to you in part by betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% deposit bonus. Uh, Today's bet of the day, Lakers aren't in action, so I'm looking around the league, and the game that caught my eye here is actually the Phoenix Suns playing in New Orleans against the Pelicans and only giving up two and a half points. Now they're on the road, which means they're essentially, according to to Bet Online, uh, giving up five and a half because you have to account for the three points that are given to uh, home teams in these situations. But Phoenix is playing really, really well. Chris Paul is on a bit of a tear, and uh, I I like the idea of uh, only having to beat an up-and-down New Orleans team by two and a half the other one here uh, if you're really kind of interested in in playing around a little bit is the over under being set at 222 so what i'm thinking i might do just for a little bit of extra fun here is actually parlaying uh the suns covering that two and a half uh with the over in this one and and uh and, and having a little bit of fun there if you're going to follow me or fade me, you're going to want to do so at betonline.ag. And then with that promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% deposit bonus. If you're going to do any gambling, though, please do so responsibly. So heading into the year, were you on the same page as I was where you thought that the Lakers would probably use that roster spot on a big or have you thought they would go in a different direction from, from day one? I, I'm not as concerned about the big, unless there's an injury, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not as concerned about the kind of bouncy big, unless they're somebody who can defend the perimeter. This actually really ties into like, who are we trying to beat here? Right. Who are we trying to beat? And what do they do? Well, you're talking the nets, the Clippers, Bucks. the Nuggets, and may, I think we, we've already we're fine with the Bucks either way. I'd be I'd be impressed and surprised if they got all the way. But yes, the Bucks. Mm-hmm. We'll throw the Bucks in there, and uh, and like I said, the Nuggets. Those mm-hmm. are the teams that I've really got. And so, who could beat us, and why? Who do we need on the court? If there's a bouncy uh, guy who can who can uh, body up against Jokic. Great, let's get that guy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this is theoretical versus who are the guys that actually get bought out. Right. The problem with it too is we're going to be in competition with Brooklyn for any big that comes available <laughs> yeah. that can do shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that guy is gonna. 
our pitch is going to be like, hey, just in case Mark and Trez <laughs> and AD at the five don't work, come here. You can help win a championship. And Keith, with like Keith can't hit a three still. Like, <laughs> right. Or it's like, come start or be the seventh man for Brooklyn mm-hmm. and, and be there, uh, be a contributor there. It's probably a more enticing place. So I, I'm of the mind that a, first off, it's, more best player available it just depends on who who is yeah out there but i'm if you can defend the perimeter that's like my number one thing and i think that's more likely to be a big wing yeah i i started the year thinking that it would be a big right that they would they would fill that last roster spot with a big who uh can can step in and offer more at the rim than markeith has offered to this point and more than uh, Trez has offered at this point, right? Trez has, has kind of really surprised me, borderline blown me away with what he can do defensively on the perimeter. But if he doesn't have a nice long runway, he's not going to do much to, to, to get people, to dissuade people from, from driving to the basket. So uh, I initially, at the beginning of this year, thought that, you know, if the Lakers could, you know, walk away with a, a, a bouncy big, you know, who uh, can finish also like the other thing too, that the Lakers are kind of lacking right now outside of AD is, is somebody who they can throw lobs to like, that was a big part of their offense last year. That is just basically completely lacking uh, to this point this season. So if they could, if they could find a lob threat slash rim protector, that's how I thought that they would use that roster spot at the beginning of the year up to about, I want to say a couple weeks ago. And, and again, like the more you think about it, like the Lakers on Thursday, you know, the tomorrow show, I'm going to be talking uh, to somebody about this uh, Lakers nuggets matchup, which I'm really looking forward to. Michael Porter jr. Is scoring about as well and about as efficiently as anybody in the NBA. And he's a big wing who uh, can, can, take you off the dribble for a couple dribbles, uh, can finish at the rim. Basically the same problems that Tobias Harris presented the Lakers in that Philly game. MPJ is going to give you a lot of those same problems. And the Lakers, like the the big wings are only going to get better from that, right? We're going to see Kevin Durant potentially in the finals. We're going to see Kawhi. We're going to see Paul George. Uh, and, And what that might look like when the Lakers face off against those teams as currently constituted that's the thing that kind of makes me the most nervous. So if the Lakers, like I know they're monitoring, there are reports that they're monitoring the situation with Trevor Ariza. Uh, I know they're, they're going to be, you know, kind of keeping an eye out there. I'm, I'm, I'm also kind of interested to see what happens with Nerland's Noel. Um, he, he, you know, he's the other kind of end of the spectrum here is as far as like what I would like to see the Lakers maybe do, but but yeah, watching this game between the, the 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 Nets and the Clippers, I think the Lakers, unless Wesley Matthews really turns it around, which might happen, maybe he might also just be washed. <laughs> like it's it's also possible. Um, and and if he doesn't turn it around, then then yeah, I I would say that if the Lakers can go out and get a, a bigger wing, then then that would be the direction I would go in. I mean, even if West bounces back, he's six four. He's six you know? four, and there will be basically this. Whoever we bring in is one of the tools in the toolbox, right? We're not bringing in somebody who's going to start for us or even be in the, be in the mm, top eight of yeah. our rotation. But if we need a little bit more size on the wing, if there's a six seven three and D type of guy out there to 
counter West. Maybe they can't run around screens the way that West can, or don't have the lateral agility quite the same way, but they've got some size and there's, it's against somebody, even Kawhi is somebody that Mm -hmm. having size, you don't have to be terribly quick, but being able to absorb all that punishment that you were talking about, that's something that, that is a great great thing to have. We saw West try to guard Kawhi in the first game and it was, it was rough. And now he's guarded him in, in the past and, and been fine. We'll see, but basically Relatively you want fine. right. <laughs> like I'm not, I've golfed all of like two times in my life, but I know this is that you're much more fluent having a hole in one yourself as you do. <laughs> um, it's having clubs in your bag, right? Yeah. Like you don't always need the, the eight iron, but there's sometimes where that's exactly the circumstance where you need an eight iron. And if we can get something like that in uh, on the buyout market, I think that's much more likely to be a wing than, than a big. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I just, I've always thought, I've thought this dating back to basically when Tim Duncan retired, uh, the, the game changed, you know, you, you saw the shift from, you know, there was that stretch where the champion either had Shaq or Tim Duncan on their team for like 10 straight years. Right. And, and, or, or nine out of the 10 years, whatever the stat was there for a long time. And then we saw it to start to shift, right. Once teams started figuring out that the three pointer is the weapon that we see it today, you started saying, all right, well, the player who shoots the most, the player is the type of player who shoots the most threes or dunks the ball the most often tend to be wings. And then those wings started being able to be point guards, right? Then you saw LeBron, you know, give way to the Kevin Durant's of the world. And then the, the Kevin Durant's of the world started to give way to, to Kawhi because he came uh, uh, around a little bit later. And then, and then, you know, now you have Giannis and you have Paul George and you have all of these guys that, that, you know, are just especially equipped to do the most efficient things on a basketball court. And I think if you can make their lives you're not going to stop them by any means, but can the Lakers pick up somebody who for 10 minutes a game makes that player that wings life a little bit more difficult than, then like those are, those are the minor kind of, you know, if you're chipping away at, at how to, you know, kind of uh, disrupt a Kawhi over the course of a series, like that's the way that you kind of do it. I've been starting to think about this more in terms of like segments of the game too. Cause so mm-hmm. this guy wouldn't start, he wouldn't be at the start of the third quarter, but there were, remember when we played Denver and you brought up MPJ mm-hmm. a, a moment ago, and this was part of that. We'd be up by like 10 at the end of the first quarter. And then the first four minutes, four or five minutes of that second quarter, that lineup would just kick our ass. And it's funny because yeah. it was the lineup that was great. The previous series against the Houston Rockets. And mm-hmm. it speaks to the, like a, propriety for the situation like that lineup was great for the style of play that the Rockets played but Denver's a fundamentally different team with different strengths and weaknesses so mm-hmm. it makes sense and they just kicked the crap out of them and so there are different parts of the game where remember last year Kawhi would kick the crap out of KCP at the beginning of second quarters as well yep if he has to deal with that guy for that 10 minutes per game, like that's the part of the game that he can really impact and kind of lessen. It's more like stopping the bleeding yeah, rather right. than being great at something. Having don't gauze on him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever they sign, we're going to call him the gauze signing. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Lakers podcast. Tomorrow's show, you guys are going to enjoy it. So I think it's going to be Adam uh, Modest and I doing a crossover 
show uh, about the you know the Lakers looking at this matchup from the Lakers side of things and from the Nuggets side of things. He and I do Locked On NBA, so we have a, a little bit of chemistry heading into these shows. So I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow, and then from there, uh, after following Thursday's uh, game, Pete and I will be back to uh, react to what we see to that. Until then, though, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you tomorrow.